Good evening, this is Patrick Donahue. We appreciate you listening to Bible Crossfire every week at this same time. <clears throat> Bible Crossfire, why do we have that name? Because we allow you to call and get into the crossfire. If we teach, if you think we're teaching something that's not according to the Bible, then you let us know. Uh, you'd be our best friend if you correct us on something we're wrong about. We want to believe and teach, practice only the truth. After all, Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. So things that are different from the truth, false religious teaching, won't make us free from sin. We want to avoid those things. As I said, if you can correct me where I'm wrong, we uh, want to follow the Bible and the Bible alone. Uh, if you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877-655-6755. 877 Isaiah chapter 5 verse 20 says, Woe to them that call evil good and good evil. Uh, I believe we have a lot of that going on in our society today. We call evil good and we call good evil. For example, the Bible condemns drunkenness, for example. But people will say, uh, they, they don't say don't drink, but they say don't drink and drive. As if the drinking is okay. The getting the drunk is okay as long as you don't drive. They act like alcoholism is a sickness. Or something that you catch. Something you don't control. Alcoholism or a sickness. Instead of it being a choice. Drunkenness is a choice. And Galatians 5.21 says envies, murders, drunkenness, revelings and such like as I have told you in time past that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. So people who are guilty of drunkenness and don't repent, they will not inherit the kingdom of God. They won't be saved. It doesn't matter what you call it. You can't, it won't help to uh, make it sound more tame by changing the name of it to a sickness or something like that. A person that gets drunk is a drunkard. He will not inherit the kingdom of God unless he repents and gets forgiveness. How about fornication? What the Bible calls fornication, a lot of people call practicing safe sex or living together. You see, they try to make it sound good. They call evil good. The Bible just simply calls it fornication. We read verse 21, Galatians 5.19 says, Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness. You see? Fornication. They which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. What about the word adultery? Uh, a lot of people call it adultery. Um... An affair. You see, you make it sound more tame. A man cheats on his wife. The Bible calls it adultery. People will say, well, that, he had an affair. Well, it's like there's nothing to it. It was just an affair. But the Bible calls it adultery. You know, second marriages are condoned by almost all churches nowadays. But Matthew 19.9, Jesus said, Whosoever shall put away his wife, Except it be for fornication. 
and shall marry another committeth adultery. And whoso marrieth her which is put away doth commit adultery. And so, we may call it an affair, but the Bible calls it adultery. And the Bible says if we divorce our spouse for any reason other than the fact that they're cheating on us sexually, and we remarry, it's called adultery. (laughs) So we might not think of it as that bad when a person divorces and remarries, but Jesus does. Jesus calls it adultery when we divorce and remarriage. And I know because there's a lot of churches out there that are filled with people in second or third marriages that are in violation of Matthew 19.9. We probably have a lot of listeners out there tonight who are in their second or third marriage. If you're in your second or third marriage, did you divorce your spouse because they cheated on you sexually? For fornication, like Jesus specified, has to be the case in Matthew 19.9. If not, then your second marriage is an adulterous marriage. And what does a person have to do if they want to get forgiven of adultery? They have to repent, just like any other sin. What does repentance mean? Just like any other sins, it means you have to make up your mind you're going to quit it. You can't just say, I'm sorry, and stay in that adulterous marriage. You'd have to terminate that marriage. You have to quit the adultery. Seek reconciliation with your original spouse. If you have a Bible question or comment, please give us a call at 877-655-6755. The number to call if you have a Bible question or comment is 877 877- Six five five six seven five five. We had a caller earlier that we didn't get on the air, but he was talking about: Do we have to keep the law, the old law? Well, Hebrews chapter seven verse twelve says, "For the priesthood being changed, there is made of necessity a change also of the law." What's the point of the writer there? That that the priesthood is changed. Jesus is our priest today, but he's not from the tribe of Levi. Therefore, the Old Testament law on priesthood must have changed because to be a priest under the law of Moses, you had to be from the tribe of Levi. Jesus is a priest, not only that, our high priest, and he's not of the tribe of Levi, so the priesthood must have changed. And then it says, the priesthood being changed, Hebrews 7, 12, there is made of necessity a change also of the law. Well, what's the argument? The argument the writer is making is if part of the law has changed, then the whole thing has changed. If the priesthood part of the law has changed, it can't change. You can't just change part of it. The whole thing must have changed. So all of the law, including even the Ten Commandments, the Sabbath, all of those laws in the Old Testament, I've been told that there are 613 commandments in the Old Testament, not just ten. They all changed according to Hebrews 7.12. Talking about Jesus in Colossians 2, verse 14, it says, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, And took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. So according to Colossians 2.14, there's some ordinances that Jesus blotted out, took out of the way, and nailed them to the cross. Obviously, whatever ordinances this is talking about, we don't have to keep them anymore. Not if Jesus blotted them out, took them out of the way, and nailed them to the cross. Well, he gives us some examples or some samples of those laws that have been blotted out in verse 16. Colossians 2.16 says, Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink, That was the daily observances of the Jews. Respect of a holy day. That's the yearly observances like Passover and Pentecost. Or of the new moon. The new moon once a month. The monthly observances. Or the Sabbath days. The weekly observances. So the weekly Sabbath. Remember one of the Ten Commandments was. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. It's specifically mentioned here as one of the ordinances that Jesus blotted out. 
took out of the way and nailed to the cross. So we're not under that Old Testament law anymore. Not any of it. Not even the Ten Commandments. Not the Sabbath. The Sabbath was the seventh day of the week. Acts 20, verse 7, and 1 Corinthians 16, verses 1 and 2, help us to see that we should worship on the first day of the week under the New Testament covenant. Not the seventh day of the week, the Sabbath. Sabbath is no longer binding. The Old Testament is no longer binding. We're under the New Testament law. If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877-655-6755. If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877-655-6755. You know, there's another sin that people want to call good. Another evil that people call good, and that's the sin of homosexuality. They'll say, well, that's their sexual preference, or better yet, their orientation. As a matter of fact, I believe the Supreme Court nominee, the lady used in the hearings, uh, used the word sexual preference, and they got on to her and said, it's not a preference, they don't have a choice. You should say sexual orientation. If you say sexual preference, you imply they have a choice about what sexual type of sexual relations they prefer. So they're, all, they're wanting to justify homosexuality. They're wanting to try to say it's not a choice and that it's right. That they're born that way, they can't help it, therefore it's just as good as being a heterosexual. Their sexual preference, not their sinful preference or their sexual orientation. But how about 1 Corinthians 6, verses 9 and 10? How does it read? Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners, will inherit the kingdom of God. So, no matter what terminology you use to try to act like the sin of homosexuality is not a sin, to try to tame it down, you call it the sex, their sexual preference or their sexual orientation, if you think you can make it sound okay, like there's nothing wrong with it. The Bible calls it homosexual and sodomites and says people who practice such shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, can a homosexual be forgiven for that sin? Yeah, it can be forgiven. Just like a murderer can be forgiven. Just like a thief can be forgiven. Just like a liar can be forgiven. If they're willing to repent. What does an adulterer have to do to be forgiven for adultery? Quit committing adultery. What about a thief? Quit quit stealing. What about a liar? Quit lying. What about a murderer? He can be forgiven if he quits murdering people, quits killing people, and he gets forgiveness from God. Same way with a homosexual. Homosexual can be forgiven of those sins. What has he got to do? He's got to repent. It means he's got to quit being a homosexual. And if he quits being a homosexual, if he's repented and got forgiveness from God, he's not a homosexual anymore. And 1 Corinthians 6, 9-10 through doesn't condemn him anymore. We want to call evil good. We want to say, oh, homosexuality, that's just their sexual preference, orientation, as if there's nothing wrong with it. The Bible calls a spade a spade. It calls it a sin. It is a choice. They're not born that way. Romans 1, 26 and 27 says it's unnatural. They're not born that way. It's a sinful choice. If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877 877- 655-6755. The number to call if you have a Bible question or comment. 877-655-6755. We mentioned a while ago about lying. Well, a lot of people try to tame that sin. Act like it's not a sin. They call it a fib. 
when I was a kid, we would say telling a story. Uh, but if it's a lie, it's a lie. It doesn't matter what you call it. Just because you try to call evil good, that doesn't make it good. Just because you call it good, if it's a lie, it's a lie. Even on the Andy Griffith show, the lying there by Andy is presented as okay if he's done to spare others' feelings. But Revelation chapter 21 verse 8 reads this way. But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and the sexually immoral and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. doesn't matter if you call it a fib or a white lie. Whatever you call it is still a lie if you tell somebody something that's false with intent to deceive. This verse says all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone. So even if you call it a fib or a white lie, it doesn't make any difference. Anybody who's guilty of that and doesn't repent and get forgiveness is going to have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone. They're going to be lost. Can they be forgiven? Yeah. If they'll repent of lying. If they'll make up their mind, they're going to quit lying, that they're sorry for that. And they're going to stop it. But they're not going to be forgiven as long as they plan to continue in it. That's not repenting. You know, another thing that many times we call, that, that's evil that we call good, is cussing. We might say about cussing, I've heard people say, well, there are times it can be used effectively. Or they might say, it's unprofessional to cuss at work. As if it's okay to cuss outside of work. Or there are times that it can be used effectively. They're, they're trying to act like cussing is okay by calling evil good. But Colossians chapter 3 verse 8 says, But now you also put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. So you can call it anything you want to to try to tame it down. You can call evil good, but if you cuss or you take the Lord's name in vain, for example, Colossians chapter 3, verse 8, tells us that's wrong. It, the Bible condemns it in no uncertain terms. Jennifer from South Carolina, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Hi. Um, to try to make it brief, because it's very, it's very long anyway, okay, if God has revealed certain aspects of my childhood to me, and I have even seen physical proof in the form of pictures from, we're talking age two or three to well on later on, and what I'm, what I'm concerned with is that could that at all possibly be the reason why I struggled with immoral, unclean sexual sin as in my teenage years? living in the darkness because of being stumbled as a child, having, you know, being stumbled as a child. And I'm you kind mean, of wondering and scared about the oppression or, or that the spirits that I've heard that attach themselves to us when we lie down with others. Now, I, it, this is just a, like, all this is really hard for me to process. And I guess I'm looking for someone with wisdom to kind of direct me in the right area there. Are you saying you were sexually abused as a child? Yes, sir. And okay. I found proof that even there was a child pornography even then. Yeah. So a person that gets sexually abused as a child, that can affect them. And it hurts them because it, uh, it causes them to have tendencies toward things that are un uh, unbiblical and immoral. But 
no matter what happened to you as a child, that doesn't take away your freedom of choice. Like I've been told that a very high percentage of gay men were abused as boys by gay men when they were boys. And that abuse, that sexual abuse, causes many of them to become gay, commit this terrible sin when they become older. But it never takes away their, their freedom of choice. You know, God says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. Let me just read that for you and tell me what you think, Jennifer. You you familiar with 1 Corinthians 10, 13? That says this, there hath, no, there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you. Well, that means will not allow you. Will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. So if a person wants to do what's right, then God is not going to tempt that person above what he's able to bear, and he's going to make a way of escape. So any time we sin, it's because we chose to sin. Jennifer, okay. you got any follow-up well, with that? Yes, and um, I'm not so much worrying about, um, like, sexual unclean sin now as much as I am with habitual sin in the form of an addiction that I used for a long period of time and still a little struggle with trying to numb and escape from the pain and now that God's starting to show me these things it's been I mean we're talking 35 years of of a mess yeah you know I can see that that a person is uh, abused as a child and it causes them to um, try to maybe just drink or take drugs in order to try to forget some of these horrible things that happened to them but uh, this is just something that we're, uh, your person has dealt a bad hand and they're just going to have to deal with it and overcome it God will help them if they really want to serve the Lord God will help them overcome those sins He won't He won't suffer you to be tempted but you're able but He always provide a way of escape the Bible says in James chapter 4 that if we'll resist the devil, he'll flee from us. You familiar with that passage? Yes, sir, I am. Okay, so, well, I guess that this I know is that all may be easier been basically said than a done. distraction of the enemy because during this, I've, I've I've had a very strong heart to try to help other children. They have been in absolutely disastrous scenarios, so that I can help to save other children from the things that I've seen have caused me so much pain, and it's just. The depression side of it, working on the front lines throughout this crisis that's been going on this year and working third shift, 12-hour nights, it's just mentally, it has been a lot. And so I really appreciate you taking the time to, to do to do all of this and to have a talk with me. I really, really appreciate Jennifer, it. Jennifer, if you don't mind, I'm going to try to call you sometime after the program is off the air and we can talk further, okay? That'd be great. Okay, thank you for your call, Jennifer. Thank you. The passage I was looking for in James, James chapter 4, verse 7 says, Submit yourselves therefore unto God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. So if we'll submit to God, if we're, going to tr if we're trying to submit ourselves to God and trying to obey God, and we'll resist the devil, he'll flee from us. So we can overcome these temptations according to 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Some temptations are going to be harder for, 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 for me than for others and so forth. If a person that's been abused as a child, they're going to have some temptations maybe they're having to deal with that someone like me 
it wouldn't be, uh, I wouldn't have to deal with it. It wouldn't be near as hard for me to deal with because I never was abused as a child. I can understand that. But, but God would never let Satan force you to sin. It's, we, we can be tempted. We can get in a position where overcoming temptation is hard. But it can be overcome, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. He's, God's not going to allow us to be tempted above what we're able to bear. He's going to provide a way of escape. If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877-655-6755. The number to call if you have a Bible question or comment is 877-655-6755. You know, another sin, another evil that we like to change the name of to make it sound better or sound good is, is abortion. It's really murder, but we won't call it murder. We're going to call it abortion or pro-choice. You know, we don't say pro-death. We don't, the, the Democrats and the people on that side of the equation who are for abortion, they don't call it pro-murder. They would never say that. Instead, they call it abortion and they call it pro-choice to make it sound good. Romans 1, 29-32 says, Being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, covenant breakers, without natural affection, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. So the Bible condemns murder with all these other sins. So when, when the life of a young child uh, 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 is aborted like that before he's born, it's murder. And it's condemned in passages like Romans 1, 29-32, just like these, all these other sins. People who commit such things are worthy of death. And those who have pleasure in them that do them, those that encourage it, encourage it are also under the same censor as the ones committing the murder. A lot of things that are evil we call good. How about pornography? We call that, many times we'll call it adult entertainment. Doesn't sound so bad if we call it adult entertainment, does it? But it's really just pornography. And we know when we're looking at pornography, we're doing exactly what Jesus says we shouldn't do in Matthew 5.28. Whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. When we look at pornography, we're looking at a woman who's not our wife. We have no right to see her without her clothes on like that. We're looking on a woman to lust after her in her heart. We're committing adultery with her in her heart. Now, we may call it adult entertainment to make it sound okay, but it's really just pornography. It's condemned by Matthew 5.28 and many other passages. If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877-655-6755. 877-655-6755 is the number to call if you have a Bible question or comment. Charlie from Idaho. Go ahead with your question or comment, please. I have a question. This has been bothering me for a while. Um, it's Philippians 2, 10, and 11, which the Lord says, At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. And every tongue confess that he is King of kings and Lord of lords, to the glory of God the Father. Now, my question is, is this a noun? I mean, a person, place, or a thing under the earth? It's not hell. It's not Hades. Could it be another location or another geographical location since it's a, a noun, a person, place, or thing? Hmm. And, then, and then the cross-reference is Revelations 
Now, my question to you is, this is my son a little weird, but I don't know if you remember Admiral Byrd back in World War II. Do you ever hear the story of what happened to him? Hey, are you still he there, Charlie? Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, I'm still here. Can you hear me? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> well, you had Admiral Byrd from World War II who was a, an admiral in the Navy, and he was taken underground by some force in the, in the hollow earth, supposedly. And then the scripture came to me, Philippians 2, 10, and 11, which says, at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow hey, in heaven, Charlie, on earth. Charlie, I'm going to have to yeah. go off the air. i got to let you go. That's a very good question. I'll try to talk to you after the program about this. But the, off the top of my head, I don't know what that means, under the earth, in this passage in Philippians 2, 10. We're going to have to go off the air. Don't forget about Proverbs seventeen fifteen. He that justifieth the wicked... He that condemneth the just, even they both are abomination to the Lord. So we don't need to call evil good. 